This is Coffee at KYUK, conversation between friends and neighbors. Come in and have a cup. Joining us for coffee this morning is Mark Nordman, the race director for the Iditarod. He's in charge of marking the trail for mushers competing in the race. He spoke with KYUK's Johanna Yurek about the trail this year and the changes he has seen in the past decades of the Iditarod. So, Mark, you have been doing this how long? I've been involved since 83, either racing or doing the administrates, but on some level. Of course, early years it wasn't as involved as I am now, but long time. Now, you have been going out and looking at the Iditarod Trail ahead of time, and your crew has. What's it look like this year? Well, I think we all realize record snow in Anchorage here, and it's a huge amount of snow all the way up past Finger Lake. Once you get up to Rainy Pass... Excuse me, it's still real good, but you come through Dells El Gorge is good, but then you've got about 30 miles of dirt, and we routinely see this on the other side of the Alaska Range there. Uh, you get a Chinook comes in, warms up, blows it all the way, lots of wind through there. So, But otherwise, from there to Nome, it's good. You know, it looks like things are freezing up again. During the Iron Dog, there was concerns about water, and we don't go the same way they do to get into Rhone. We go through... Um, Delzell go, go through Rainy Pass, they go through Ptarmigan and Hell's Gate. So what are you seeing there? Well, you know, when we leave Rhone, um, it, there's snow for the first part of it, and then it gets real slight on snow, and then it comes into dirt. So, But the Tatina is something we come through Del, Delzell Gorge, we hit the Tatina, and then we come into Rhone, and that's right now is frozen. The trail breakers have already spent eight days out working and grooming and cutting trees. Beetle kill, you know, everybody from the peninsula remembers that, and it's all over the Alaska range now. So these trees are falling down more and more, and it's tough to tough to keep that trail open. They'd clear it open, and a day later when the winds came through, they'd blow them down again. So it's just going to be a long time before those trees are all cleared out. So it sounds like you're going to be watching those trees during the race too. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it sure could be. But, you know, my guys stay pretty close, depending on what they see, weather forecasts and everything, but um, I don't think there's going to be any problem. You know, and we always talk about the dream ride, and these pros can get through anything. What is the dream ride? Well, it's, I think all of us that have run dogs have it. You know, you all remember that one night when everything just clicked. It's like you got a steam engine ahead of you, and they're just busting through the snow and having fun with it the whole time. So when everything goes good... When you're in a good mood and things are good at home and uh, just looking forward to getting it home. Tell me about this decision. I understand now 16 dogs on a team? Yeah, yeah. it was something that we talked about. It's been back and forth, and it's always been like 50-50. And then last year at our finishers meeting in Nome, there was a vote taken, and it was almost unanimous to go with 16 because you don't have to race with 16. If you feel like you're comfortable with 14, then take 14 or take 12. And so I think it's, um, we tried it, um, didn't notice any difference to speak of in number of dogs that finished in Nome or anything. So we're just back to, and as I mentioned in the briefing, it's when you're looking at the, you know, the top dog race in the world, if you have a dog team, sooner or later somebody's going to say, have you run that one in Alaska? So why not go ahead and make it a little few more dogs for them? And but yeah, but it used to be twenty. Yeah. I don't remember. That. Oh yeah, yeah, it used to be twenty. 
Well, do you think this is going to be more of an impediment for um, smaller? No, I don't. I, I, I thought so for a while, but there's so many good dogs, dog teams, and there's, you know, these mushers I'm finding more and more. If I can't go, why don't you take three or four of mine, and then I can be a part of your team. Um, no, it's not going to change anything, and it's not going to change the speed of the race. You know, two more dogs, you're, you're only as good as your slowest dog, I should say. And so, yeah, it's not going to change anything. I mean, it seems like the Iditarod, we've gotten faster over time. Yeah, but still, you know, some of the some of the records were run when it was uh, 14, some was 16. And the trail's so different every year. You know, the record's always a changing thing because, you know, one, side we'll, one time we'll go up one side of the Yukon River and next time we'll go up the other and it may be three miles or five miles shorter or longer. There's no set track. It's not Formula One. You know, what struck me is one of the biggest changes is in the dogs. Absolutely, yeah. You know, we used to, they used to be Huskies, you know. Not so much Siberian Huskies, but all our, most of our dogs came from the Yukon River, from gold miners and, you know, native Alaskans that used them for transportation and had dogs that loved to eat and good feet and, that's where they came from. Now there's some houndy dogs that that was kind of a people have gotten away from that a little bit more Um, and just now they're just a well-bred oiled machine. I remember one year there was a team of poodles. Yes, yeah, John Souter, I knew him very well and 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 that looking back on it you know John did as well as he could with the dogs but they weren't really meant for these kind of conditions. They didn't have that undercoat we'll call it and um, he did the best he could with them, but didn't work out. Well, what have you seen in changes? Because it seemed to me like dogs have gotten smaller. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's so many people that, you know, um, believe it or not, I used to run marathons. Uh, finished one, and you find that smaller dog, little females, you know, they're just quick on their feet. And, and like I said, we're breeding dogs for cat's paws, you know, with so you don't have long toes and ice balls, even though they're burnt, um, even though they're booting them at every checkpoint. And so, yeah, it's just all about taking care of them. Can you talk about what kind of the effect is on a dog team going over dirt oh. spots? I know they're all kind of used to that. And that oh, yeah, it's crazy. Happens. Well, what happens, they get excited. Their their footing is great. It's, hey, it's summertime. Let's go for a run. And so they take off. And so that's the concern. The dogs are fine. There's never, I don't worry about the dogs going across there. It's the mushers that can, you know, get flipped and turned and have to be very awake. And and that's at the time where all the pre-race excitement, because these teams now, you know, they'll go to the banquet Friday. They're all nervous. This is the mushers. But even the dogs know. When they come into town, they know something's up. And then they take off, and they're slugging and working away with all their muscles getting over the Alaska range, and then it's all of a sudden running on on dirt and frozen ground, and so they just take off. It's okay for the dogs with the sled and the musher. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's just it's just a lot. It's not that soft, cushioned ride that you have in any kind of snow. So they really do. Uh, dogs love it. They just think this is great, so it doesn't hurt them at all. A lot bouncier. Yeah. Um, just following up on the the move to 16 dogs, mm-hmm. uh, back back to 16 dogs. I, I seem to recall. I mean, at the time uh, that it went to 14, that 
And I understand there are other reasons maybe, but that part of the stated reason was for dog safety and dog safety. I think we were looking at that, always trying to make improvements. It's good you brought it up. I didn't mean to pass over that. Yeah, definitely. There was some talk that, you know, with 14 people can control them a little better. But really, and it always is in the figures of how many dogs were dropped. The percentage just didn't change. So I think we'll try it. And things can always be changed. And to be clear, I mean, there was a vote by the mushers to do that, but there must have been more discussion at the Iditarod about it, right? You know, really not too much because it comes up every year at the finishers meeting, and this year everybody was like, let's just go around 16. It's just two more. They're trained 16. I know Wade Mars. I don't know if that kid ever is, or a young man, my friend, has, I think he's always running 14 or 16, you know, in training. And so they're just used to it. But you don't think it actually made a difference in the speed of the race? But certainly the kinds of dogs that have been running made a difference. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, they're quicker dogs. But let's not forget, it's not just the dogs. Our trail breakers used to leave the morning before. They never did an eight-day trip before and put in bridges. We were used to run on wooden runners with clock spring steel on the bottoms. Now we change plastic. Now the sleds are a third, if not 25% of the weight that they used to be. The cookers, you can boil five gallons of water in 20 minutes compared to before. It was literally building a wood fire or Coleman stoves with two burners on them. And so all those things make a difference. And the nutrition for the dogs, of course, is huge. What we've been able to do for the for the pet population throughout the U.S. is huge because we're they're using our dogs for research. Same with our human athletes. You know, you look at these guys and they're they're tough-headed and very competitive and very healthy and know how to take care of themselves, which hasn't always been. You know, it's just a different time. Who do you think is going to win? Well, I know who's going to win, I, but I can't tell you. So I do know who's going to win. Maybe you could just run through some of the folks you're looking at. I mean, you mentioned it quite a few names. Yeah, you know, and I wish I had the list because I know I'm going to forget somebody. Of course, you have to look at your champion always, you know, current champion Ryan Reddington. Of course, we know Dallas Seavey is very competitive and working hard at it. Pete Kaiser had a wonderful K300. Beautiful dog team that I saw out there. Jesse Holmes, you know, he's right on the verge of it. Uh, another Jesse, Jesse Royer. You know, she came up last year and ran a very conservative race with the idea of trying to win it this year. I know I'm going to forget somebody. I'm going to get a call at midnight saying, why didn't you mention me? But there's, there, there used to be that you'd always figure you'd be three, four people that go by one name. Lance, Jeff, Rick, Allie, um, Martin, for sure. And Pete, for sure, but not, not to that he, you know, it takes a long time. If I say Pete, we all know who we're talking about. If I say Richie, the same thing. We all know who we're talking about. But it's finally gotten to be that there's it's probably eight or nine. It doesn't take much. You know, we're always looking at a way to improve. You know, mushers do have the ability to carry two-way communications now. That's something that um, even our trackers, I've had people say, pull the trackers. You know, it's too easy to push the button and decide you want to get out. Uh, but once you give that that type of technology to somebody, it's really hard to take away. 
um, I'm not talking legally, but just in if something was to happen when I could have had somebody have that two-way communication. But nothing planned other than Warren Palfrey, our new race marshal's got nine good judges. They're his, and my, and they refused to be my judges. They were all eyes and ears on the trail, and but no, no other huge plans. That's KYUK's Johanna Urich speaking with Mark Nordman, the Iditarod's race director. Join us Monday to hear from some of the mushers competing in the last great race. This is Coffee at KYUK.